Good morning. I'm Angela Davis, and you're listening to NPR News. So glad you could be with us today. Minnesotans have seen above-average snowfall for the month, but above-average temperatures have also left parts of the state covered in ice from freezing rain and a January thaw. Now temperatures are going back down, freezing recent rainwater, and more snow is on the way. You know the drill. Time to be mindful on your drive to work or while you walk outside because the risk of slipping and falling is very possible and it might leave you with a winter injury. It's not just having an accident outside that will have you sliding your way into a bruise or a fracture. Winter sports, as fun as they are, can also lead to a bad enough injury that could freeze your fun. So today I want to talk about the different ways you can hurt yourself this time of the year and what you can do to keep yourself from injuring your body when you go outside. We'll also talk about recovering, why you should take your time getting up from a fall and why you might not want to just walk off that pain. And I want to hear from you, your stories. What winter injuries have you had? And what are your tips for preventing falls and other winter accidents? Call us. The phone numbers are 651-227-6000. Again, you can call 651-227-6000 or 800 800- Two four two twenty eight twenty eight. You can also leave me a message on Twitter. I'm at Angela Davis MPR. Let's bring in our guest. We have with us Dr. Joel Boyd, an orthopedic surgeon with Tria Orthopedics. He's also head team physician for the Minnesota Wild and the team physician for the Minnesota Golden Gophers football team. He was the first black team physician in NHL history when the Minnesota Wild started playing back in 2000. Dr. Boyd is also an adjunct assistant professor at the University of Minnesota and the former head team physician for the Minnesota Vikings, as well as a former Olympic team physician. So let's just put it like this. He's seen a lot of injuries. Good morning to you, Dr. Boyd. Good morning, Angela. So glad you could make time for us. We also have here in the studio, Matt Nuger. Now, Matt is a visiting assistant professor of kinesiology at St. Olive College in Northfield. And he is a practicing physical therapist at Partnicklick and Tria Physical Therapy. Hi, Matt. Hi, Angela. Thanks for having me. Well, I want to talk about the ways we can get hurt out in winter weather, including falling, because I am recovering from a bad fall, as you have probably heard me talk about, after tripping on a sidewalk a few months ago and fracturing my left arm in two places. It's the most pain I've ever experienced, and it's been a very slow recovery process. So now that there is snow and ice on the ground and on the sidewalks, I'm hearing about and even witnessing other people fall. And Matt, uh, this is no small thing. You're a physical therapist. Uh, what can you tell me about the patients you're helping right now to recover from injuries, particularly in the wintertime? How are, how are people getting hurt? Yeah, we're, we're seeing a variety of, of injuries. Like you said, it's, it's really easy uh, this time of year to slip and fall. Um, so we're, we're seeing plenty of those, but, but the ice goes uh, beyond that in terms of uh, you know, car accidents and so concussions and, and head injuries with those as well. Um, so from the broken bones uh, that, that people experience and the, and the bumps and bruises, but, but also uh, we've had lots of heavy, wet snow lately. And so back pain with shoveling uh, mm-hmm. is, is really common and some muscle strains that way. Um, and then not that they're planned, but, but they're more, more uh, understood as far as the risk with sporting injuries, with uh, skating, skiing, things like that. We, we see knee, uh, knee injuries, uh, muscle strains, uh, concussions with, with those, those activities as well. And there are also people who get hurt trying to help other people, maybe pushing out a, a car or truck stuck in the snow. 
Absolutely. So uh, a lot of, you know, good, good neighbors uh, end up with, with issues as well that way and muscle strains and, and often uh, back pain and, and things like that related to those activities as well. Dr. Boyd, you've lived in Minnesota a long time. What do you see each winter when it comes to injuries related to the snow and ice that, that we have to move around in? Right. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. But um, yeah, with with these types of injuries, uh, the issue is that this time of year, we, we this is the busiest time of year for orthopedics. And mm-hmm. it, it's because it's on several fronts. Not only is it the weather outside, which as you mentioned, there's sports being played on a number of, of uh, teams and levels. And uh, so we see a lot of patients. Uh, the problem with uh, especially slips and falls is that um, you know, a lot of it has to do with, like you said, the cycle of melting snow and, and, and freezing rain and the temperature going up and down. And, you know, being aware of, you know, what the temperature is doing is important because when you came in in the morning, might not be the same conditions you go home in at night. Um, also, footwear uh, becomes important for patients uh, mm-hmm. who uh, might, uh, be out walking. Uh, you know, it's good to take that extra pair of shoes, the ones that are really good on ice. And then the ones you really want to wear at work, um, is a good thing to do as well. Uh, and that's for both men and women. Um, you know, just being mindful of kind of how you walk, uh, also is important and walking more flat footed, especially on ice, uh, is, is helpful. So, uh, but as, uh, as mentioned, yeah, we see, Injuries all over, and you know, there's a million people a year, certainly from slips and falls, and you know, that include also head injuries. So it can be mm-hmm. uh, catastrophic type injuries. And Dr. Boyd, I know you work with uh, professional athletes and with college athletes, but we have you know, uh, high school and, and you know, younger kids playing winter sports. Mm-hmm. What about some of those sports related injuries that, that you see and treat? Yeah, sports, it's a little bit different. I mean, you know, when the kids are, are, are playing, especially at the younger levels, I mean, they are, it's, it's sort of one of these mass versus speed kinds of things. They're not really super heavy, but, uh, and they're not really traveling super fast. So, uh, you know, they tolerate falls. You know, we've always known that from our own children mm-hmm. that, you know, when they fall, they're closer, we always say they're closer to the ground. Well, yeah, but it's also that they don't generate a lot of speed and they don't have a lot of mass that's coming to the ground, whereas adults have much more mass and much more speed headed to the ground and therefore causing more severe injuries. So um, so with the younger kids, you, you do see injuries, uh, and they can get bumps and bruises and those kinds of things. Uh, it's just the sheer volume of sports and the sheer amount of time spent in sports. We see that as probably a bigger issue for our younger kids. As you move into college, uh, high school, college, of course, they get bigger. The mass is there. The speed is there. And so we start to see uh, bigger injuries. Uh, and it just, you know, from things like skiing and downhill skiing, I mean, again, you know, now you've, you know, really increased your speed uh, and, and mass. So it, um, these are all factors in uh, creating some of these injuries. And even just walking when you, your feet slip out from under you, it is a still a, a mass versus speed issue because you're headed to the ground with your full weight. Mm. And you mentioned, you know, youth. I remember, Dr. Boyd, 
falling and just bouncing back up. That did not happen at 54. I fell down and I was down. So <laughs> what do we need to know and just be aware of with aging that, you know, that the recovery process and the injury, it can be more serious and can take longer. Uh, is that correct, Dr. Boyd? Yes, uh, certainly. Yeah, we don't we, we don't bounce back like we used to. <laughs> and uh, that is true. Um, and uh, as we get older, it, it does uh, uh, the whole process of recovery, regeneration, you know, bones heal, but they don't heal as fast, you know, as you get older as they did when you were younger. So mm-hmm. um, they, it tends to take longer. Um, and so your recovery can be fairly long and, and very much uh, involved with rehab. Uh, rehab becomes super important as we get older. Um, and not only just rehab for the injury, but rehab for our balance, uh, rehab for our strength, uh, because you need those things to, to have you continue to be protected. Uh, Matt, what can you tell us about aging um, and, you know, just the understanding that it could take a while to get back to where you were or you may not get back to where you were? Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, harder to recover, obviously, as we get older. I have a four-year-old at home, and, and she falls down all the time and bounces up <laughs> giggling, right? Um, if I fall down, uh, I'm not giggling when I get back up, right? Um, and, and so, um, you know, in addition to, to healing a little bit slower as we get older uh, and feeling those bumps and bruises and things like that a little bit longer, um, we oftentimes also experience a little bit more fear of that activity going forward. Uh, we don't want that to happen again. That happened to me. I had a fear of sidewalks sure. for a couple of weeks. And and that that's a daily part of your life, right? So mm-hmm. so it really impacts those those daily uh, daily activities and that daily function, and so that's part of what we try to address uh, in therapy is just kind of uh, improving your comfort with those activities. From obviously we want to improve your balance and, uh, and and get you back to to your activities, but maybe experiencing some of those things that were fearful before. So not only addressing the tissue that was injured, uh, but but it. Uh, you know, addressing the underlying things that maybe caused the injury and then going a step further uh, and making you comfortable with those activities again. When I broke my arm, the most common advice I got from people uh, was this. Go to physical therapy, listen to your physical therapist and do the work. Um, And I found that to be true. And so what is it about physical therapy and working with a trained professional um, to help you through your specific injury that's really so valuable that can make things better? First of all, that's that's harder uh, than it seems to follow that advice sometimes. It is because um, it's time. It, it, it is. It, it's time consuming. And and so some sometimes the the advice that we give isn't necessarily rocket science. Um, you know, sometimes it, it seems uh, rather straightforward even at times. But but carving out time to to practice those things and being consistent with them uh, really uh, leads to that comfort with those activities going forward uh, and preparing those tissues uh, to get back to that that. Uh, activity again. And and so that consistency is really important. And I was told regularly that like the more you do early on, you know, shortly after the injury, the more impact you're going to have. And and that is true. Uh, absolutely. So uh, again, uh, especially early in that healing stage, um, that, that tissue is a little bit more pliable to, to begin with. Uh, you're going to make more gains to, to begin with. Um, uh, from a tissue level, but but also, um, uh, again, in terms of the, the psychological aspect there as well, improving that comfort and getting, getting comfortable uh, with those activities again. All right. I, I want to talk more about 
uh, falling, how to fall, how to get back up, what to do and what not to do. But first, I want to take some phone calls from our listeners. If you're just joining us, we're talking about winter injuries, common ways people get hurt this time of the year, including falling and maybe shoveling or or trying to help somebody else out. Uh, and I want to hear from you. What injuries have you had? How did you recover? What advice do you have? Uh, tips for preventing falls and other winter accidents? You can call us at 651 227 6000. Again, that is 651-227-6000 or 800-242-2828. I'm talking with an orthopedic surgeon and a physical therapist. Uh, let's take a phone call from Bloomington, where Margaret is on the phone. Good morning, Margaret. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for taking my call. Can sure. you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you well. Okay. okay. Well, 10 years ago, um, I fell on the ice and when I was walking to work, and what shocked me about it, I mean, I did end up breaking my um, wrist or my lower arm, but what really shocked me is how it set me back mentally for months, maybe even years. I quit and and physically as well. I quit walking to work because it just it was winter and it spooked me. And and then even when it it was nice weather, I quit walking to work because. I'd lost some of my strength that I just mm. and endurance for walking to work. And I, that really set me back. I mean, it really shocked me how physically and mentally I was set back. Um, I think I'm past it now, although I am a little leery when I get out on icy streets. But that's mm-hmm. uh, anyway, under- understandable. And so you want people to know that it's no small thing. It is not a small thing. And uh I and and I did not realize till today that you had had a fall and uh, <laughs> I am um, we've bonded, Margaret. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. Excellent uh, phone call. Thank you, Margaret, for sharing that story. I'm so sorry that that happened to you, Doctor Boyd. Do you hear stories like this with some regularity? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's something that uh, we think about not, not only just with slip and falls, but with all injuries. Uh, there's a psychological component that occurs uh, following an injury that, of avoidance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it doesn't matter if it happens in the summer or in the winter or in sports or not in sports. Uh, I mean, we see athletes uh, constantly battle. It's the psychological aspect of getting back to where they were uh, that's difficult. And, uh, and even though we talk about daily activities, um, you know, we always like talk about people as being athletes, uh, no matter what they do. And so, you know, walking to work every day is that athletic endeavor. And mm-hmm. so getting back to doing that is still a psychological hurdle. And it, it's hindered by, you know, her fear of falling. And so those are things that, uh, we, you know, we, we've started focusing more on. And I think in physical therapy, they worked on it even longer than we have as physicians uh, because we just worry about like, is it healed more or less, or is it capable of supporting weight? Is it capable uh, of the person capable of locomotion? But uh, the psychological piece is, is super important. And we rely on uh, the help with physical therapists and trainers uh, with teams to help us and help the patients push past some of that mental hurdle. And that it is important to remain active. I mean, she's doing a good thing walking to work. And um, and it is surprising to her, just like, you know, just the domino effect 
um, once yeah. you have an injury like this. Absolutely, that negative cycle is yeah. is just trouble, right? And so you 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 know the fear of of falling and the fall itself and the injury lead to to a more sedentary lifestyle, uh, and that increases the fear of falling in the future. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that that's really where uh, we come in as far as really trying to get people comfortable with those activities and not only uh, heal you know working on the. Uh, the tissue itself, but then uh, going forward to, to re- removing the fear to get back to that active lifestyle and, and ultimately prevent falls in the future. What about, uh, and this may be, not be your area of expertise, but um, I al- advice I also got was about diet um, and nutrition and the role it can play in helping the body heal. Yeah, that's certainly, certainly not not my exact mm-hmm. forte, but but absolutely uh, proper nutrients and proper rest too in terms of workouts are really important in that recovery aspect as as well. And Dr. Boyd, what do you want people to know about what to eat and, um, you know, bone density? That's been a, my new hot topic. Yeah, that's, a, that's a whole, that's a, yeah, that's a whole, I mean, we need another hour. I know, <laughs> but it's important, right? Regarding bone density, right? Yeah, because we all lose, we all lose bone density mm-hmm. as we get older. Uh, some start with a little more bone density than others. Clearly, it is an epidemic, actually, uh, uh, especially uh, among uh, older white females, uh, osteopenia uh, and osteoporosis. Uh, and so having a decreased bone density and, you know, using, you know, having uh, adequate levels of vitamin D and calcium are super important. And sometimes, you know, the first inkling they have of these things is when they slip and fall mm-hmm. and, and they have a significant fracture. So, um, you know, especially if it's like a hip fracture, which then can become again, uh, uh, become a mortality issue. So I think that um, diet is, is extremely important and also checking with your primary care physician to just make sure that your bone health is adequate, especially as we get older uh, and go above, uh, you know, 45, 50 years of age. Mm. Let's take more phone calls as we talk about winter injuries and recovering from them. Call us at 651-227-6000 or 800-242-2828. In Minneapolis, Michelle is on the phone. Good morning, Michelle. What do you want to share with us? Hello, good morning. Hi. I fell about four years ago. I was 51. I fell ice skating and um, broke the upper my upper arm. It was the first break I'd ever experienced. And I thought, okay, a couple of weeks in a sling, um, I'll be back to normal. I had no idea that it would be two years of physical therapy before I would um, feel better. So I think um, I, and going into physical therapy, they had told me probably you really would only gain, um, you know, improvement for about the first year. Um, But I just kept at it. And that would be my advice to people is do your physical therapy, keep at it. It's your body, you Mm want to have that recovery, Mm -hmm. you want to have that mobility and strength back, and it will, it can take time, but I think there can be, um, you know, rewards for for doing that work. The other thing is in anybody who's done physical therapy knows there's these assessments, I ask a lot of questions to see your improvement over time. And I was disappointed in the assessment tool and that it felt um, like it had been designed by um, men in that it (laughs) asked me if I could put my hand in my back pocket. And we know, you know, I think most of us, that's more about people who put wallets in their back pocket. It did not not ask me if I could put my arm behind my back, which is what women or people who wear a bra, attach a swimsuit, people who put a dress on with, there's a lot of fasteners in the back, um, jewelry, um, 
And that was not one of the assessment tools. And that's a very important um, skill, especially for any older women who live alone, to be able to put our arms behind our, our back. And so um, I gave the, that feedback to my clinic, but I'm just giving it to everyone listening now that we need to really look at what um, skills women need to have with um, moving our arms. And the recovery process. Um, and Michelle, did you require yeah, it, uh, surgery for your broken arm? No, in fact, I only just wore a sling, which is probably what led me to believe, oh, it's, you know, not that Mm -hmm. big of a thing. In fact, the sling, they said, was more so that other people would know I was injured and wouldn't bump into me. Mm -hmm. Um, But, um, and, but the good news, two years later, you know, it's been four years now, but took about two years. I have no pain, full mobility, and I have gone back out and ice skated. It was not easy, but it was kind of a test to say, you got to do it. You got to get back on the ice. That's good so, news. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, Dr. Boyd, so uh, th- that's, that's a good question. Um, I think a, a question I always have is like, why is it that some people when they have a fracture, um, some people require surgery and some people don't? What can you tell us about that? Yeah, right. So the fractures range uh, from uh, being just a kind of like a little crack in the bone um, all the way up to, you know, there's a crack all the way across the bone, but it's still relatively in the right place. Uh, to then the bone two ends moving away from each other, um, and then they can be completely moved away from each other, 100% displaced, we call it. And, uh, and so it can be anywhere along. All of those are called fractures. And so depending on the type of fracture, whether it's many pieces or one piece, I mean, or, or two pieces that are just close together, you know, maybe close enough that uh, the better or the more prudent thing is to let it heal on its own. Uh, or if there's multiple pieces, then the more prudent thing might be to help reapproximate those pieces using plates or screws or uh, some some devices to help hold those pieces closer together mm-hmm. to get them to unite. And the thing I would say for anyone, and I tell this to my patients all the time, and if you have a fracture, and it's so funny because even though we have all these different fractures, you know, once you get them reapproximated or once they're reapproximated, it still takes anywhere from six to eight weeks truly for the bone to actually, you know, heal or be stable, uh, you know, enough and that, you know, it can still show signal if you were to, say, MRI it or whatever, like up to a year. So the bone is continuing to remodel. It's a living thing. So it, it, it's not just a one event. And, and typically most fractures, uh, even the ones that are not displaced, don't really heal in a couple of weeks. And, and, and I think, you know, uh, we, we should tell patients that, you know, that's, that's, that's a rarity. Now, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean they couldn't feel better in a couple of weeks. Some of them do. But the bone hasn't really healed at that time. And Dr. Board, as you know, I had surgery in D.C., and that's what happened to me is that it, uh, the fractures in my elbow required um, surgery and a metal plate and a few pins or screws to, as you described, help my bones reunite. I like that. <laughs> it's a process. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, it is It is getting stronger, but it, it, it's, it's, it's slow. Um, and so uh, I want to talk about um, some advice, Matt, about how to fall. Because I thought about this because it happened so fast. I'm like... I don't even remember how I went down and I wasn't carrying anything, but I know there is some advice on the best. If you, if you think you're I'm going down, like what to and not to do if you have a chance to think about it. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes, like, like you said, it happens so fast that it just, you're down uh, and right. you, you didn't even notice. But, but if you do have a chance to, to kind of think about it, um, 
you know, first thing is, is what you fall onto. Uh, you know, right now we have, we have ice and, and quite a bit of snow uh, around us. So if we can hit the snow instead of the ice when we go down, um, you know, the softer surface is, is going to be much better for so us. Like- Right, try to direct, try, try to direct throw yourself. yourself. Right, exactly. <laughs> okay, um, and then then in terms of the body part that you hit makes a big difference as well. So, um, oftentimes with wrist, uh, with with elbow fractures, we we put our arm down and, and catch ourselves with that arm locked out straight, stretch it out. Exactly, yeah, I, like I'm going to brace myself for. Right? Uh, and and that that does set us up for for some of those fractures in our wrist and elbow, and and even all the way up to the shoulder. So if we can hit softer parts, uh, if we can land on our backside uh, rather than right on the side of our hip, right rather than right on the side of our shoulder, but kind of more the fleshy parts. Mm-hmm. Um, those are less likely to break. Um, I do remember after I fell, I was like, oh, but I didn't hit my head, right? So what about the head? Like head Uh, injuries, because that's bad. Absolutely. Uh, And so uh, sometimes we we can't control that, right? The head kind of snaps back and and hits. Uh, But but again, if we can protect our head and avoid those head injuries, uh, you know, that's one of the blessings in in your fall and that, uh, you know, you didn't kind of compound it with with a further injury that way. And so that's a good way to... um, you know, we want to avoid those head injuries as well. What about getting up? Should we? Because like when I went down, I was like, I'm staying down. Don't know why. Don't anybody touch me. Don't move me. And that's great because uh, that's the opposite <laughs> of, of a lot of people's inclination. Is is you know there there's kind of a mix of feelings, right? It's emotional. You're you're hurt. Uh, you're stressed. Maybe a little embarrassed. Um, and so the the natural inclination for you and for the people around you is is like let's yank you to your feet. Oh. Um, and and that no yanking. No, <laughs> no yanking. yanking. Yeah. So so that, that can cause some problems. So um yeah. And what about I know that some people get hurt, we mentioned trying to help other people. Mm-hmm. So if you come along someone who's on the ground, uh what do we need to be mindful of when we're trying to lift somebody up? Yeah. Who may be heavy. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a really good point as well. Uh, the the first thing is the person on the ground should should really be the person kind of driving the the situation. And so, one, are they safe to move? Uh, are they ready to move? Um, and so it, uh, that lets them be an active participant as a, as you know helping themselves back up. And so if I'm if I came across you on the ground and I just try to hoist you back up, that's a lot of work for me. But if you kind of direct me and say, okay, I'm, I'm safe to move, I'm ready to move, and now I can help move, um, now you can help me lift you up. Uh, and, and so that can really reduce the stress on the caregiver um, by, by making you an active participant uh, in helping yourself. And Dr. Board, as a, uh, a, a team physician uh, working with athletes, do they get some instructions on how to fall and, and how to get up or how to help each other if you see an injury? Um, well, I'm not sure that they, we, we don't, I don't get instructions about necessarily how to fall. Um, I mean, you know, when you're dealing with, especially professional athletes, I mean, they've been doing this for quite some time and it's sort of weeded itself out. I mean, these are the best of the best Mm -hmm. in their respective sport. And so, um, how to fall is usually not, uh, not exactly, you know, something that they have to be taught. Um, but, um, you know, certainly the, the training staff and the medical staff, you know, become much more alert. And sometimes how players go down, uh, you already kind of have an idea of, of what's going on even before you get to them, uh, if you see it happen. Um, and, uh, and, then, and then, as was just mentioned, it's, it's right, you know, just let the player to some degree drive, you know, what happens next. I mean, you just want to have a conversation. You want to let them do sort of an internal body check to kind of feel like, okay, yeah, I can move my feet. I can move my legs. 
um, you know, and, and you may you may cue them for some of those things. And then when they're ready, they can sit up. And once they sit up, then it's like, okay, they'll say, okay, yeah, I'm ready to get up. Or you can, they'll help you help them help them up. So uh, I, I think those were, that's, that's good advice when coming across anyone. And I would also agree about the head injury. I think that's kind of like mm-hmm. first, like, like you want to protect your head because that, you know, can kill you mm-hmm. uh, with a, a bad head injury. And, um, and, and then beyond that, you're right, as you start to, stick extremities out like your arms and your and things uh you know most people tighten up kind of when that happens meaning you know they get really stiff like they're going to stop their body weight from hitting the ground or doing a face plant uh Mm -hmm. and just giving a little bit there sometimes can be helpful because it helps to transfer some of that uh some of that pressure up the extremity and share it with the rest of the body if you're going to be going out onto your hands or onto your knees, that kind of thing. Let's take another phone call as we talk about winter injuries and uh, the recovery process and and the ways that you can get hurt as we try to move around in the snow and ice here in Minnesota. 651-227-6000 is the number to call. In St. Paul, Paula's on the line. Hi, Paula. What's going on with you? Hi. um, This is a great show. So I have fallen in the past, broken a wrist, required surgery and pins, um, and it was a long recovery. But um, my concern now is that I have osteoporosis. And so a fall for me could mean a broken hip, which could set me back forever, really. Right. Um, and I walk a very active dog every morning. And mm. so what I want to say is I got some um, crampons, those uh, Yak Tracks is one brand. This isn't that brand, but they go on the bottoms of your boots. Mm-hmm. And these are not just the little spring kind. I mean, they have serious spikes on them, and uh, they have changed it for me entirely. Every morning when I took her out, I was so anxious that I was going to fall. And now I feel, even though I'm still careful, I feel so much more confident. So I, I really would recommend them to anybody that's going to be out walking on the sidewalk or the streets while they're in this icy condition. Right. Great you can, advice. You can get them. You yeah. can get them on Amazon for not that much and, again, get the ones with the spikes. And you really, you're set in. And even on smooth ice, which the spring kind will make you just slide around like you're on ice skates, but with the with the crampons, you really don't yeah. go anywhere. Put so. some teeth on your feet. Thank you, Paula. And I'm glad you're back out there walking your dog with, with confidence. So, Paula, a great example. Some good advice. Lots of dog walkers out there, out there getting fresh air, getting exercise, um, but now doing it with, with less fear. Um, and what, do you, what advice do you have about, like, just putting some the footwear, Matt. Foot, footwear is huge, and Doctor Boyd mentioned that <laughs> earlier as well. Yeah. Um, and so from from everything from your boots, but but even those little extra that you can clip onto the bottoms of your feet really do make a huge difference in terms of the traction, just uh, a- actual safety in terms of how much traction you have. But then, like you said, that taking away that fear aspect to actually let you get out and, and walk on those more challenging days, uh, and again, do it safely. That that's a big thing with activity. Um, is, is always we want to make sure that you're safe and comfortable doing it. And Doctor Boyd, do you recommend? Uh, the 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 spikes that you can add on to whatever footwear you have to to make it yeah. uh, easier for you to, to yeah, stay certainly, yeah certainly that is a uh, some footwear that you can add also I mean I know that they have also those you know like the little rubber boots that people uh, put on like the shoe covers mm-hmm. uh, some of those come in a more 
tactile, you know, with little spike things. I know some of the trainers use those uh, in uh, in the NHL uh, for going out onto the ice. Uh, so, yeah, anything that will give you better ice traction and shoe wear is good to do. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, it's like, you know, you might leave home in, in you know, those really nice shoes that look great with your suit or your dress, but you might want to put those in a pouch and wear something else until you get there because they often have very slick bottoms. And also, too, the other place where we see slips and falls, which is interesting, is it's not just outside on the ice. It's once you walk into a place or into a building and there's a little bit of wetness on the floor, uh, we see a lot of people who slip and fall. Uh, actually making that transition from going outside to inside. And Dr. Ward, she um, mentioned that that she has osteoporosis, and so she's worried about, you know, falling and maybe having to have a a hip replacement. And what do we know about just the recovery from a hip replacement or knee replacement? Yeah, so, I mean, once you have a hip fracture, I mean, it's a significant injury. And if you take all patients who uh, sustain a fall and a hip fracture, and and if you add osteoporosis to that, I mean, their mortality rate goes up significantly, um, meaning, you know, more people die uh, just because they become bedridden or they uh, can't get up and walk. Uh, and, you know, in the, in the face of that, doing some kind of hip procedure, uh, whether it's fixing the fracture, even if you fix the fracture, their levels are still higher than the normal population in terms of mortality. But if you fix the fracture or do a total hip or uh, any of those things, um, that's helpful to try to get them up and get them moving again. But their uh, more vitality rate is still higher than for someone who doesn't sustain that injury. So, uh, so it's a significant problem, especially with hip fractures. We don't see knee fractures as much. I mean, most of the time when people fall, you see patella or kneecap mm-hmm. types of fractures. Uh, but the big bones are, are rarely around the knee joint anyway, rarely get affected. Uh, sometimes um, you might see a tibia fracture uh, or something near the joint, but patella fractures are pretty common, and that can set you back for a while because that's what helps to you know, move your lower leg in terms of extending and walking. And Matt, you're telling me, let's talk, Angela, more about prevention, more advice. I'm like, let's let's avoid this this bad situation. And so what do you want us to know about, uh, first of all, about being sedentary? Like some of us will look out the window and like, I'm not going, no, thank I'm you, not right? going out yeah. there. <laughs> but um, then what? Yeah, what? That, that's, a, that's a big issue, especially in the winter. I mean, uh, a lot of us uh, who watch our daily step counts, uh, mm-hmm. watch them track down in the winter when we look outside and say, no, thank you. Um, and so uh, in terms of, of preventing falls, I mean, good strength uh, beforehand can help you catch yourself a little bit easier. Uh, being stronger is going to help you with your balance typically and, and better core strength in particular will help with balance. Um, and so uh, there are different ways to get those those step counts up. Uh, Minnesota, we have great malls. So, so mall walking is a great option. Uh, my my grandma, bless her heart, used to walk, uh, get her eight thousand steps in her in, in her little apartment, wore her carpet out around her coffee table. Uh, I don't think that's for me. I don't think that's for most people. Uh, but but if you're determined, you can you can still keep that activity level up, and that does make a big difference. Uh, so that hopefully you don't fall. And then if you did happen to fall you're more likely to be okay, especially with weight-bearing exercise. You're less likely to have those fractures that we were just talking about and, and uh, things like that. So um, 
that that prevention uh, go, goes hand in hand with some of that strength training uh, ahead of time as well. Because being active is good. And this Absolutely. makes me think of um, a woman I sat next to when, and during one of my physical therapy sessions. She had broken her arm or broken her wrist playing pickleball. And then I remember the Star Tribune wrote a whole story about an increase in um, injuries uh, from people playing pickleball. Have you seen that, Matt? Absolutely. We're seeing uh, a ton of uh, increased uh, just attention and, and participation with pickleball. And with that, it certainly goes some injuries as well. What are they uh, doing? Like stepping backwards or uh, yeah. why are they falling? So so we get some, some different... Um, kind of typical sports injuries with muscle strains and different things like that. But, but yeah, absolutely. You're reaching for a, a ball. Uh, the, the pickleballs uh, don't bounce like tennis balls. And so if you're, if you're crossing over from a different racket sport, um, you're maybe reaching a little bit further than, than you expected. Um, and so it's actually pretty easy to, to kind of get off balance and go down. Um, pickleball is a great activity though, in that you can do it in a lot of gyms. There are a lot of indoor pickleball places popping up for, for winter activities as well. Um, but but with that, there there obviously does carry some injury risk as with any activity. And Dr. Boyd, are, are you familiar with this this uh, uptick in injuries from folks playing pickleball? Well, I, not only uptick in injuries, but just uptick in the number of people playing. Uh, I think when you look at how it's taken off, uh, mm-hmm. actually in this country, period, especially in Minnesota, uh, with the number of people who are playing, it's probably inevitable that the number of injuries were also going to increase as well, uh, and especially with the demographic where it's popular, um, which is, you know, people who are a little bit older, you know, but a doable sport, and, and they all love it. So I, it's, it's a, uh, I think it's a combination of things. I think that there's more exposures uh, by more people in a sport that's growing really fast, and uh, and we're seeing the concomitant uh, increase in injuries to go with it. Mm. Let's take another phone call as we talk about uh, winter injuries and, and uh, what we need to do to protect ourselves and what the recovery can look like. Uh, let's take a phone call from Superior, Wisconsin. We have John on the line. Hi, John. And what's going on there in Superior? Oh, it's, it's a lot of snow. A lot of snow. Uh, <laughs> and that was, that's what happened to me. I... Uh, was out with my snowblower and I live alone. It was dark and I, uh, I fell, uh, I couldn't get up and I was like 80 feet from my house. So I, I had to crawl to my uh, front porch where I could pull myself back standing with my, uh, arms. I don't have very much strength in my legs. Mm-hmm. So I was just going to comment that. If I hadn't been able to do that, I would have froze to death outside because it was 10 below. And and so you're using your snowblower. I'm guessing it was a heavy, wet snow? No, it was actually fluffy snow. <laughs> this was a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. But there was ice under the snow, mm-hmm. and that made it really – I didn't know that. And it, it, it was the, the fluffy snow made it even slipperier because of the ice underneath. And I, I could – just could not get up. I tried using the snowboard to pull myself up, and the snowboard kept tipping in when I was trying to use it mm-hmm. as leverage. But uh, so I had to crawl, and, you know. And uh, if I hadn't, I'd have froze there right on the sidewalk. Well, I'm I'm so grateful that you uh, survived that, that you were able to get back into your home, John. And um, thank you for for sharing that and reminding us. Uh, 
be careful, like with the snow blowing out there and the and the deep snow and ice underneath the snow you don't see, and again shoveling as well. Matt, what do you hear there in his story? Yeah, and that brings up a really good point. That uh, thankfully that you were able to get get back and pull yourself up. But but one more thing that we can do to to protect ourselves in those situations is is have a way to call for help. So have your either cell phone mm-hmm. on hand or uh, Apple watches now have have kind of uh, call capabilities sometimes or, or different devices uh, do that. Uh, but same thing when you go out on walks and maybe are away from home uh, to to have some way to contact. Um, you know, a friend, loved one, neighbor, something like that to, to be able to come get you should should something unfortunate happen. Mm, Dr. Boyd, uh, any, anything you want to share with us about uh, using their snowblowers or shoveling uh, to be aware of? Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's uh, essentially heavy equipment and it's it's tough. I mean, obviously, we've, we've heard about the really big ones like Jeremy Reiner and, and his incident, but then also we see a number of people who use snowblowers in their driveways and the like, and, and, you know, for, for whatever reason, will stick their hand in there to try and clear it if it feels like it's stuck, which is always a bad idea. Um, and uh, we've seen, you know, snowblowers also, you know, catch on to long coats, things like that, and pull people's extremities in. So, I mean, these are... I mean, these are mechanical, you know, things that you you have to be in control of. In other words, they have to be off or, you know, stopped or have some kind of a safety switch where if you're not uh, in the right position, that they're not running. Uh, And you just have to be aware. I mean, you have to uh, understand that, um, yeah, you're working with a a tool that that can hurt you. And what about the shovel? Um, just from personal experience, uh, shoveling snow, is there, there's a right and a wrong way to do it. Uh, any advice you'd share about, like, how do you position your body or how to shovel and not shovel, Dr. Boyd? Um, I think, you know, the biggest thing about shoveling is, is it's right. I mean, the, the wet, heavy snow is, is really difficult. And, and it's not only we're, we're talking about, you know, soft tissue uh, types of injuries typically when you're talking about shoveling uh, things, sometimes you can't get all the way to where you might have a disc type of herniation, something like that in your back. Um, the, you know, I would, I would, you know, mostly say, you know, it's just like everything else. I mean, you have to bend at your knees, uh, you know, try to keep your, your back relatively, you know, it's not going to be all the way straight, but you know, for no more than 45, you don't want to bend over, uh, and try to lift the snow that way because it really uh, puts a fair amount of stress on your low back. Mm. Um, and uh, uh, but that would be yeah, I would say those would be the the, the, the keys for me uh, with regard to shoveling. Those low back injuries, I mean, that's no joke. That you know that chronic pain from that. Uh, Matt, anything else about mm-hmm. shoveling we should know? Uh, yeah, like Dr. Boyd said, I mean, uh, the more we can use the, the bigger muscle groups in our body, you know, the, the legs to, to do that heavy lifting, the, the better that is. Back pain is really complicated. Pain in general is really complicated. And so it goes well beyond uh, just a, a tissue uh injury that way. And so um, it, it can linger long after the tissue repairs itself. And, and so you mentioned chronic back pain. That's one of the big things that we see that tissue heals, but but that pain signal still persists. Um, and so if we can stop that before it even starts, um, you know, that, that works out better. So again, using those bigger muscle groups, um, trying to do more pushing of the snow rather than lifting. Um, oh, it's good. I want to read a couple of uh, Twitter comments. Uh, we were talking about recommendations of how to prevent falls. A lot of people have been recommending uh, a brand of boots called Ice Bugs. My best purchase. This is uh, someone writes to me, Brickle Laureate. Uh, my best purchase, Angela, was 
ice bug boots. Uh, they have nibs on the bottom, and I have not slipped once while wearing them outdoors or, or indoors. And, and that, I think about this because uh, uh, Minnesota Supreme Court Justice, retired Justice Alan Page, who was here yesterday, said the same thing to me. He's like, Angela, get some ice bug boots. So that, that's out there if you're looking for a type of brand. Uh, a lot of folks seem to like that. <laughs> and another person writes, um, let's see, she writes, I was uh, came across an elderly neighbor. This is from Nancy. Came across an elderly neighbor who was out walking, uh, who had fallen. Visually, nothing appeared broken, and she verbally said nothing was hurt. Got her home, but her muscles froze up. Her husband or husband took her to hospital and discovered a small pelvis fracture. When do you call 911 with a fall? Dr. Boyd, how do you know when to walk it off and when to go to, to the hospital or to urgent care or, or ER? Yeah. That can be that can be difficult. Uh, I know we had discussed it earlier in terms of, you know, when you come across someone who's fallen, you know, number one, obviously you want to see if they had any kind of a head injury. Mm-hmm. And then obviously if they're non-responsive, you, you know, you're going to call 911. If, you know, the person's responsive and talking to you and they feel like, okay, yeah, this isn't, you know, I, I, I can, I, I can't get up because, you know, my leg or whatever, then you also uh, might be in a position where you call 911 at that point because they're not able to get up and mobilize. Uh, and then uh, as patients start to feel like, okay, maybe I can get up. And sometimes they, they make an attempt to get up, but then have pain, and then they have to sit right back down. You know, again, you're not going to be able to move them very far, so another situation where you might call 911. Uh, and lastly, yes, a patient might get up, and they might move around, but then still have some soreness. And it gets back to, like we were talking about, I'm not sure, I can't say what kind of fracture she had, but it may have been one of those, like, non-displaced or, you know, there's a fracture line, but things are still really lined up. And uh, and so she was able to mobilize enough to, to get home, but then the pain kind of persisted mm-hmm. or, you know, started to slowly increase. And that's what prompted them to to uh, to go. So it's an interesting thing when you get a fracture, um, you know, the muscles around the fractures kind of shut down. It's your body's protection mechanism uh, for having a fracture. So oftentimes when patients can't move an extremity or some, you know, their arm doesn't work. Uh, you know, you have to be suspicious that there's a fracture there because that's that's how it protects itself. And so it may not so, be immediately uh, obvious that it's serious. Correct. Mm. Correct. All right, and Matt, we just but, but, have we just have thirty seconds left here. I'm sorry, Doctor Boyd. Matt, anything you want to say in our last seconds here? Yeah, I would just I would just add to that in terms of if there's visual deformity or significant swelling. You know, those are those are red flags that you should definitely go get checked out. Again, head trauma would fit into that as well. And then more the longer term, if there's a loss of function, you know mm-hmm. that that's definitely something you should check out with with your uh, you know medical provider, whether that's orthopedic urgent care um, or, or ultimately with a rehab professional. All right. Well, thank you so much. I feel like I've learned so much. Thank you to all of our callers who shared uh, your stories and to our two guests who shared so much great information. We've been talking with Dr. Joel Boyd and surgeon at TRIA Orthopedics, also the head team physician for the Minnesota Wild and team physician at the University of Minnesota Golden Gophers football team, as well as Matt Nuger, a visiting assistant professor of kinesiology at St. Olaf College and a practicing physical therapist. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Dr. Boyd. This conversation was Produced by Matt Alvarez. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning at 9.
Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. A reminder that if you want to catch my show in real time, tune in and call in weekdays at 9 a.m.